my presentation will be on um, polygraph in the security industry. All right. Um, well, don't think I need to spend any time on this slide, but as Chico indicated, I have 11 years experience with the JDF, 26 with uh, a private security company. I am the owner of a, um, a company um, called Forensic Polygraph Services, of which I have 23 years as a certified polygrapher, uh, 17 years with ASIS, of which 12 was spent as the chapter chair. Um, I'm the winner of the 2016 uh, Regional Award, the um, Professional Certification Board's Regional Award of Appreciation, um, 2018 ASIS Meritorious Service Award. And the one that's very dear to me is the um, E.J. Chris Cooley Jr. CPP Volunteer Leadership of the Year Award for 2020. All right, um, at the end of my presentation, um, participants will be able to understand and appreciate the impact of employee theft. All right, the methods of personal security screen and, an important, and the importance of background checks for employees, and of course, the benefits of polygraph examinations in the security industry. All right, now, the trusted employee. All right, how often have we heard that there's a case of white collar crime at a business place, um, only to be told that it was my best employee who was the culprit? Well, employee thieves normally don't fit the stereotypical career criminal profile. They often are in good standing, have worked with a company on average of four to five years, and nine out of 10 of them are first time offenders. And that's, those aren't my words, those are the words of Opportunity Knox. In many small businesses, the major reason fraudsters can commit their crime is because management trusts them too much. Their family members or longtime friends, or they have a proven work record and years of service. And again, that I'm quoting from the Trust Factory. The impact of employee theft is not a question of if, but how often and how much. All businesses have experienced employee theft in one form or another. Over 75% of employees have admitted to pilfering from their workplace. Many rationalize that periodically dipping into the pot will not hurt the business as the theft amounts are negligible. These small thefts, however, when combined, equal to 5% of the annual business revenue. And that is coming straight from the Association of Certified Fraud Examiners. Employee theft impact. One, 33% of all business bankruptcies are caused by employee theft. The theft of non-cash property jumped from 10.6% of company fraud cases in 2002 to 21% in 2018, so it almost doubled. 
Bribery and kickbacks account for 15% of all fraud cases and the most difficult to detect. Fraudulent schemes last on average 18 months before being detected and 40% are discovered through tips and 15% by internal audits. And almost 60% of victim organizations fail to recover any of their losses with only 14% making full recovery. All right, the demographic of employee theft. Losses caused by men are 75% larger than losses caused by women. Employee theft was committed by men 59% of the time and by women 41% of the time. Fraudsters who had more than five years service stole twice as much than employees with less than five years tenure. The average age of a perpetrator is 48 years old. And 85% of fraudsters displayed at least one or six, rather at least one out of six behavioral red flags. And of course, when they're speaking about red flags, they're talking about um, persons not wanting to take vacation, persons obviously living above their means, persons wanting to work at times unsupervised. All right. All right. Those are a number of the red flags that often go unheeded. All right. Now, there are a number of security preventative measures. Obviously, the background investigation, it's, it is advisable that you do a, a background check before you employ persons. And you'd be surprised how many companies don't do a proper background check and they pay dearly for not doing so. Um, there's the behavioral investigative interviews, something I would have learned on the John Reed course that I attended, something I recommend highly. And of course you have the polygraph, psychometric testing for honesty, oh, random internal audits, regular awareness training, of course, whistle blowing policies. All right. This, Today, I'll be touching on background checks, behavioral investigative interviews, um, psychometric testing for honesty, but most of my time will be spent on the polygraph. So I will quickly touch on background investigations. All right, most important investigative process and ought to be done ideally prior to the job offer, especially for high risk positions. The best predictor of an individual's future actions is to know what they have done in the past. Increasing tendency of the courts to extend the corporate responsibility, and I might add liability, for the safety and security of staff, guests, and customers thing of vicarious liability. Best outsourced to spare company personnel of potential embarrassment as well as liability claims. 
It costs less with volume. Screening can be done by trained staff free of bias and corrupt motivation. One third of job applicants lie on their application form. It might be their work history, criminal record, academic qualification, driving record, credit history. Application form should incorporate a statement indicating that any falsification, including omission, can be considered grounds for a non-hire decision or termination and require the applicant to sign that all the information given is complete and accurate. Red flags on application forms are unverifiable employment and gaps, family business, questions left unanswered, erasures, and of course, changed answers. All right, and I recommend the blanket information authorization form to allow former employers, supervisors, landlords, etc., to provide information sought by the employer and should include a waiver of liability for providing information in good faith. Now, the behavioral analysis interview. All right, um, the, the science or that supports its use is known as kinesics, is a systematic study of the relationship between the long non-linguistic body motions and communication, better known as body language. And it's something that we all practice, but it's something that I recommend all right, for further study. And it's an interviewing technique designed to elicit verbal and nonverbal responses in order to assess a subject's basic honesty and integrity. Uh, it's conducted in a non-threatening and, con and conversational manner and differs from an interrogation or a routine job interview. And I mentioned earlier, the re-technique is considered to be 80% accurate in detecting deception when done by a trained practitioner. All right. And of course, I, and thirdly, the psychometric test for honesty. All right. It's an assessment tool that can provide an accurate insight into a job applicant's work ethics, reliability, integrity, propensity for substance abuse and attitude towards employee theft. There's something I use, uh, well, I used to use extensively when I was running the security company. The test can be administered online, but can contain culturally unconscious bias, which may put people from different cultural backgrounds at a disadvantage. And the cost varies and needs to be weighed against the benefits they can bring, which usually will be less in lower skilled roles. If you have to pay for this service, then of course you have to be very selective as to who you um, apply these tests to. Now my, my pet um, project, the polygraph. Now the polygraph has been around for over a hundred years. 
All right. Um, Dr. William Marston, an American attorney and psychologist, is credited with inventing an early form of the lie detector in 1915. Picture of it is, is displayed. Um, John Larson added the item of respiration rate to that of blood pressure. He's credited as naming the instrument, the polygraph, which is a word derived from the Greek language meaning many writings. And in 1938, Leonard Keeler added a third physiological component known as the psychogalvanometer, which measures changes in a subject's galvanic skin resistance, otherwise known as perspiration. He also painted the prototype of the modern polygraph and is known as the father of the polygraph. Between 1945 and 47, John E. Reed, who's again, he's the gentleman who introduced the Reed technique. A lawyer from Chicago developed a polygraph technique that included the use of character evaluating questions. In 1958, all right, my mentor, Cleve Baxter, an ex-polygraph examiner with the CIA, introduced the quantification system of chart, chart analysis, thus making it more objective and reliable. And in 1992, the polygraph made its official entrance into the computer age with the introduction of the Stalting Computerized Polygraph based on an algorithm written by John Hopkins University. Now, how does the polygraph work? Well, the underlying assumption is that everybody has a conscience and, and can readily distinguish between right and wrong. All right, it's the fear of discovery that causes the body's flight fight response to release certain hormones like adrenaline and cortisol into the bloodstream, speeding the heart rate, slowing digestion, shunting blood flow from the stomach to the muscle groups in the arms and legs and giving the burst of energy and strength. And that sequence of events is known as the flight fight response. And there is a biblical reference, which I often quote when I'm conducting my tests. And the one, and Proverbs 28, verse 1 says, The wicked man flees, though no one pursueth, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. Now, interestingly, the people who do badly on the polygraph test, their body's behaving as if they're running, they're perspiring. Their blood pressure is elevated, their heartbeat is on rapid, and they have difficulty breathing. All right. It's akin to somebody running, even though at the time that the test is being conducted, the person is very much stationary, in fact, seated. And those who tend to do well on the test are the ones who have nothing to fear. All right, they are emboldened by the process and you can't get bolder than a lion. All right, and there's another quote of scripture, which is whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And 
I have found that when I make mention of these two biblical passages, you'd be surprised how many people have admitted to their wrongs. All right, it's almost as if I have established the bona fides of the polygraph. Now, here's a picture of a polygraph chart. Those two squiggly lines at the top is actually recording the subject's resp respiratory rate. So it's that breathing rate. The middle line, that line was a green colored line. That's actually the, um, that is the line that records um, the subject's perspiration, the electrodermal activity. And normally have two little metal plates on, on the subject's um, finger or fingers. And when they sweat, you'll see where it peaks. And the, the red line at the bottom, or what they call the tracing, is recording blood pressure and heartbeat. And what the examiner is looking for is identifying the questions which are triggering that flight fight response. Now you'll notice there are two um, numbers at the foot of the chart. One is numbered 48, you may not see it so well, in the, and the, other, the one to the right is 33. Those represent the questions and the time it took the examiner to ask the question. And if you notice to the, the question to the right, you saw a greater reaction. There was a, a change in the amplitude of the blood pressure. So you saw it getting narrower and there it peaked. Well, that would be indicative of a lie. Similarly, and especially because what you're looking for is not just one reaction. You want to see at least um, all, all of the um, markers reacting at the same time to the same question. And in order for added, um, let's say accuracy, it is advisable to run the test at least three times. So you're looking for consistency as well with the reaction. And you often change the, 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 um, the position of the question on the test to see if the subject reacts to that particular question regardless of where it is positioned on the, on the polygraph um, test. All right, now there are three phases to a polygraph examination. The pre-test interview, which is the most important phase, it lasts anywhere from 60 to 80 minutes. All right, and during that phase, the examiner is reviewing the case information, establishing rapport with the subject, and is conducting that behavioral assessment, all right? Um, that same technique, which was, um, let's say, um, introduced by Mr. Reed, John Reed, known as the Reed technique, all right? And you're also, that time is spent formulating the test questions with the subject, explaining the test procedure, all right? And of course, you require the subject to sign a consent form. All right, that is by far the most important phase. But if that's not done properly, all right, um, you're not gonna get the best out of the instrumentation. All right, um, then we have the clinical phase where you actually attach the, the, um, the devices to the, to the individual, um, the blood pressure, you put the blood pressure cuff on the arm, you put two pneumotubes across the chest, and of course, I spoke about the, 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 the two metal plates on the fingers, all right? 
in order to record the subject's psychophysiological responses. Now, a test consists of about 10 questions. And the questions are asked at 20 to 25 second intervals. So an actual test chart takes between four minutes, roughly four minutes to be completed. And it's advisable to run the test at least three times. I um, have gotten into the habit of running the test at least four times. I want that added chart to assist me in arriving at a, at a decision. Because I tell people, um, no matter how many polygraph tests you, 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 you administer, you're as good as the last one. And the third phase is the post-test, where you analyze the charts and you prepare the report. And if your client so requires, you might wish to share, they may wish for you to share the results with the subject. All right. Now, if that happens, that's normally because the client is keen on getting, wants to get a, a confession. All right, you may get admissions, oftentimes self-incriminating admissions during the pretest phase. But if you, but it's not until you complete the, the the clinical phase and review the charts, all right, and you confront the subject, are you likely to get a full, a full confession? Now, all right, uh, there are legal aspects that one has to observe. Um, they differ from jurisdiction to jurisdiction. All right, the polygraph test results are inadmissible in criminal cases in many jurisdictions. And that's the case in Jamaica. I don't know what obtains in, in, in Indonesia, but, and, and I suspect that might be the case where you are, um, gentlemen, because the court's position is that the decision as to whether a person is lying is for the judge and the jury and that the polygraph would be seen as usurping this function. And confessions given during the course of a polygraph are admissible. In fact, I have had to go to court. Um, well, let's say a tribunal and give evidence um, where, the, where an individual admitted to the offense um, whilst I was administering the pretest pre interview. Now, my Jamaican experience, which is what I suspect you've come to hear. Okay, I said, as indicated earlier, I've, I've tested over 9,000 persons since 1999. 75% of the subjects were males. 60% of the males and 45% of the males failed the polygraph test. 85% of all cases involve employee theft, all right? Uh, it's rarely that I get a call for anything other than theft. Um, I, of that, uh, I've interestingly, since COVID, I've seen an uptick in the number of domestic or relationship type tests, yes. Um, I get the odd call where a spouse is requiring their um, other party to submit themselves to a polygraph test. In those cases, the men, the men fare better than the females. In fact, I would hazard to say that when I've been asked to conduct a relationship type test, 
to determine whether a party is being unfaithful to the other, the female members or the of the species species tend to do worse than the males. In fact, it could be as high as 70, 80 percent. All right. Um, and I, I've come to the realization that the reason why the women do worse than the men is because by and large, the men don't show up for the test. But the women will turn up with, a, with the hope of beating the polygraph. So that's what probably accounts for um, men doing better than females when it comes to relationship type testing. All right, um, less than 10% of the tests that I've done uh, involve pre-employment screening. All right, um, which is unfortunate. Um, if they, I believe if companies were using the polygraph for pre-employment screening, they wouldn't have to be spending so much money on, um, on in the investigative aspect, the employee theft, because they would probably screen out a lot of undesirables. 65% of the subjects who fail either confess or gave self-incriminating testimony. All right, so I'm almost assured that if you sit in front of me, I'm gonna, you're gonna tell me something which you probably ought not to have, especially if you're guilty of the crime. And 99% of all the robbery cases that I have done I've, I have found that there had to be, there has been internal participation. In fact, no self-respecting robber is going to carry out uh, a robbery unless they have help on the inside. And it might be, um, info, uh, could be simply information as to where, as to the movement of the cash. All right, but they won't undertake a robbery case unless they have somebody on the inside giving them some useful information. And what is surprising, less than, it's actually less than 4% of the persons interviewed, that I get to interview, refuse to be tested. And it's largely because I think the average Jamaican believes they can beat the polygraph. And it's the effort that you make to try to beat it, which, which causes you to do so poorly on it. Now, see, these are some of my regular end users. Well, large conglomerates, no surprises there. Um, agribusinesses, all right, are a big users of the polygraph. Tourist attraction, inbound merchants, um, the business processing operators, insurance companies, supermarkets, manufacturers, gaming, arcades, government agencies, hotels, jewelry stores, security guard companies courier services, pharmacies, gas stations, airline and shipping lines, fast food operators, and of course, spouses. All right, it's, and, and this list, list is, not, um, is, is not exhaustive. Uh, there are many more entities that have now seen the benefits of polygraphing, um, whether it be their staff prior to employment or if they have a problem, especially if it's an internal issue, then I'm invariably a, a, a polygraphist polygraphers services are often required. The advantages of the polygraph. Well, it's an ex excellent investigative tool. Um, it's useful, most useful in screening out undesirable applicants. It's, the, it's faster than any other conventional method. 
all right? A polygrapher is often able to render a, a, a decision or a, as to whether the person has passed or failed a test within, 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 I would say within an hour of completing a polygraph, all right? It's a strong deterrent factor. And of course, I mentioned earlier that the confessions are in fact admissible. Disadvantages, well, the polygraph is only as good as the examiner, all right? So it's not a situation where you buy the equipment and you just plug and play. You have to know how to use the instrument. You know how, as I said earlier, if you don't conduct a proper, a, a, a good pretest interview, then you're not gonna get a, a good result. Um, it's not infallible. It is considered up to 95% accurate. Um, garbage in, garbage out. So if you get wrong information or inaccurate information, then you're gonna render an inaccurate um finding and it requires subjects written consent um and and as i indicated earlier the test results are inadmissible in certain jurisdictions 